From Jesus Christ to School of Rock, his music has spanned the decades, making him the king of musicals. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber, this time on Frame Tracks.
I wouldn't call myself a Broadway nut by any means. Let's make that clear right from the start. Sure, I've been to a handful of shows, all mainstream ones like Les Mis, Miss Saigon, Aida. I even saw Lion King in Shanghai in Chinese. All great shows, but it hardly makes me an aficionado of Broadway plays and musicals. And yes, I do own a few of these Broadway scores as well, including several versions of the before-mentioned Les Mis, but again, that doesn't make me an expert. So that's why I'm not doing a full Broadway episode of the podcast. I'm just focusing on one composer, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now, I can practically hear the groans coming through the speakers from some of you, but I just can't deny that I am a fan of Webber's. I found that when I do occasionally get the hankering for some Broadway, I generally turn to Weber, and for good reason. He's had a pretty remarkable career, spanning five decades with over 20 shows, two of which ran for more than 10 years. And in 2001, the New York Times referred to him as, quote, the most commercially successful composer in history, end quote. So honestly, it was only a matter of time before his music found its way onto this podcast. Plus, I do have a deeply personal connection to his music that stems from my childhood. As some of you may know, I like to start the podcast by playing music from the first time I was introduced to the composer. Sometimes I struggle to recall when I first came across a composer, but not for Weber. When I was a child, my father was kind of an audiophile, and he owned a large cabinet stereo system that he got in the 60s. It was very large, about five feet long and maybe three feet deep. It had two large speakers on the end, and in the center there was a turntable, and my dad even had a reel-to-reel -reel player in there. And I'm pretty sure there was an 8-track as well. I was little enough that I could lay underneath this thing while the record played and I could listen to it. So that's what I would do. I'd get a blanket and a pillow and I would lay under this for hours listening to music, usually from my Disney collection. Now, I was raised Catholic. We went to church every Sunday and I even attended some Sunday school after that. I was always fascinated with the stories from the Bible and about Jesus Christ. But being a curious child, I always had a slew of questions about it. And I don't know about other religions, but Catholics do not like to be questioned. So as a child, I never really understood the story of Jesus Christ until I discovered this one album in my father's collection. It was Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar. You heard the opening overture at the start of this podcast. This album had a profound effect on me in many ways. It presented the story of Jesus in a way I not only could understand, but also feel. The play was met with controversy from religious groups, naturally, as all depictions of Jesus have been. It seems religious people are never happy with any depiction of Jesus in the media. But for me, although I've become educated and put the religious trappings behind me, Weber's musical remains as the most powerful version of that story I've ever experienced to date. 
And one of the most powerful scenes in the musical is during the Last Supper, where Jesus laments how lonely he has become, despite being surrounded by supporters. So, from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, here is The Last Supper. Do it. I don't care why you do it. Just 
think I admired you. Well, now I despise you. You liar, you Judas. I wanted me to do it. But if I just stayed here and ruined your ambition, Christ, you deserve it. Hurry, you fool. Hurry and go. Save me your speeches. I don't want to know. Go! Go! Look at Over Weber's insanely successful career, he has worked with a slew of talented individuals, singers, writers, orchestrators, directors, and the like. Some of these are quite surprising. For example, he has written for both Tom Jones and the Everly Brothers, 
This brings us to this episode's trivia question, which is, what rock icon recorded an Andrew Lloyd Webber song that became the icon's final studio recording on his final studio album? We will have the answer to that later on in the program. To say Weber has done well for himself is a bit of an understatement. He has received a number of awards, including a knighthood in 1992, six Tonys, three Grammys, as well as a Grammy Legend Award, an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, a Brit Award, the 2006 Kennedy Center Honors, the 2008 Classic Brit Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music, and an Emmy Award. He is one of only 16 people to have won an Oscar, an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony. So I guess he's done all right. He has also composed for two of the longest-running shows in Broadway, Cats, which we'll explore in a bit, and this next show, which is currently the longest-running show in history. With over $6 billion worldwide gross, this show was the most financially successful entertainment event in history, only recently being surpassed by Disney's The Lion King. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it, for it is truly a spectacle of sight and sound. And frankly, it has some of the greatest music ever written, for a musical or otherwise. So... From the 1986 Weber musical, here is Phantom of the Opera. Spectacular. There are no other words. 
So the other big success story in Weber's career is, well, cats. Oh, cats. What can I say? Well, Cats is a 1981 musical based on the 1939 poetry collection, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot. It tells the story, and I use that term loosely, of a tribe of cats called the Jellicles, and the night they make the Jellicle choice, deciding which cat will ascend to the heavy side lair and come back reincarnated to a new life. It opened to massive critical rave and became almost overnight an instant success, going on to become one of the longest running shows in history. Now, full disclosure, I never saw cats in the theater, only on video. And that was the best way for me to view it because, well, it's very long or it feels that way. And you spend a good deal of time trying to figure out the story if you aren't aware of it beforehand. And frankly, there's just not much story there. Each song introduces a new cat character that will be considered to receive this high honor, you know, of, of dying. But it is a visual treat with a wonderful mix of dance choreography, set design, and music. Oh, and oh, the music. Some would say it is Weber's best work. I won't go that far, but it is pretty engaging to listen to and enjoy. There are a bunch of really great numbers in it, including the moving Memory, which is probably Weber's most famous piece. Now, I won't be playing that today, as it is a tad too sappy for this podcast, but instead we'll enjoy the introduction to the magical Mr. Mistopheles. Oh, and I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't bring up the abomination that was the 2019 film version of Cats, directed very poorly by Tom Hooper, who should never, ever be allowed to direct again. He should take up gardening or something. The film was marred by several poor production choices, including digitally removing cats' buttholes that were in the original version as to not offend anyone, True story. Look it up. But honestly, the second they decided to make the cats on screen a hybrid of humans and computer graphic animation, the film was doomed. And anyone with half a brain could have seen that from day one. It didn't help that the film was rushed and many effects weren't done at the time of release. Clearly, a bunch of really talented artists worked very hard for a very long time, but it was all misguided. During the scene where the cat-people hybrids start eating the cockroach-people hybrids off the table while the rat-people hybrids sing in the background, well, I started questioning whether or not humans should be allowed to continue on this earth. Honestly, it's a good thing 2020 knocked Hollywood down a peg because any system that would allow that horrific scene to be created should be dismantled. The film did not do well, and it is a shame, really, because I do think there is a decent movie in there somewhere. So, you know, check it out if you get a chance. And now I present Mr. Mistopheles. You ought to ask Mr. Mistopheles, the original conjuring cat. The greatest magicians have something to learn from Mr. Mistopheles' conjuring turn. 
And we all say Oh well I never was there ever A castle clever as magical Mr. Mustafolis Oh well I never was there ever A castle clever as magical From his ears to the tip of his tail He can creep through the tiniest crack He can walk on the narrowest rail He can pick any card from a pack He is equally cunning with dice He is always deceiving you into believing That he's only hunting for mice He can play any trick with a cock Or a spoon and a bit of fish paste If you look for a knife or a fork And you think it is merely misplaced I've seen it one moment and then it is gone You'll find it next week lying out on the lawn And we all say Oh well I never was there ever A cat so clever as magical is vague and aloof You would think there was nobody shyer But his voice has been heard on the roof When he was curled up by the fire And he's sometimes been heard by the fire When he was about on the roof At least we all heard that somebody heard Which is incontestable proof Of his singular magical powers And I've known the family to call Him in from the garden for hours Asleep in the hole. And not long ago, this phenomenal cat produced seven kittens right out of a hat. And we all say, Oh, well, I never was there ever. A cat so clever as magical Mr. Mustafolis. He's a marvel. Oh, well, I never was there ever. A cat so clever as magical Mr. Mustafolis. Song and Dance was a 1985 musical starring Bernadette Peters about a young woman trying to make it in New York and the relationships she forms, mainly one with a married man. In the early 90s, I decided to really learn about Weber and his music, and I took it upon myself to listen to all of his works up to that point. 
When I read about song and dance, I was worried I wouldn't be able to get through it, as the story didn't sound like anything I'd be interested in. And although Bernadette Peters is quite talented, she wasn't really my cup of tea. However, after giving it a chance, I discovered it really is quite wonderful, and Peters is, of course, fantastic. I never saw the show, just listened to the score, and it isn't bad at all, despite the material it's based on. So, from the 1985 musical Song and Dance, here is the overture, followed by the signature song from the show, probably the most beautiful song Weber has ever composed, Tell Me on a Sunday. Choose. Oh. 
Weber is very talented at pulling emotions out of the scene through his music, and sometimes he goes to some dark places. But almost all of his musicals surround love in some way, the good and the bad. 
Sometimes the love is for things and sometimes it is for people. And sometimes that love is reciprocated and sometimes it is not. And sometimes the love results in pretty bad things happening, like jealousy, like the love between a father and his son from the 1970s musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Based upon the story of Joseph from the Bible, Dreamcoat is sort of a precursor to J.C. Superstar that would follow. The show appeals to children and, because of this, has been performed over 20,000 times by local schools and amateur groups around the world. One of the better official versions of the play starred Donny Osmond as Joseph. At one point, after he is outcast by his jealous siblings, Joseph laments about being thrown in jail in the number Close Every Door. Close every door to me Hide all the world from me Bar all the windows And shut out the light Do what you want with me Hate me and laugh at me Darken my daytime And torture my night If my life were important I would ask Will I live or die? But I know the answers Lie far from this world Close every to me Keep those I love from me Children of Israel are never alone For I know I shall find my own peace of mind For I have been promised a land of
another even darker tale, probably Weber's darkest of all, is of course The Phantom of the Opera, about a disfigured musician who falls in love with a young singer with disastrous results. The production was near perfection, with the love interest, Christine, being played by Weber's then-wife, Sarah Brightman, and The Phantom played wonderfully by Michael Crawford, who I had the pleasure of seeing perform in Vegas, and he was fantastic. In one number, the Phantom tries to convince Christine to fall in love with him in a remarkable song, performed on stage in a boat as it drifts through the catacombs of the theater. In this darkness which you know you cannot hide, the darkness of the music of the night. Nighttime sharpens, heightens each sensation. Darkness stirs and wakes imagination. Silently the senses abandon their defenses.
In 1985, Weber paired once again with his wife, Sarah Brightman, and classical singer Placido Domingo for a classical piece titled Requiem. There are two really wonderful pieces that stand out in the work, and I'm going to play them back to back so as to not disrupt their flow. First up, it's Placido performing Hosanna, followed by Brightman's Pie Gizu.
Requiem wasn't the only time Weber veered from his theater roots to expand into the classical world. He also did it for 1982's release of Variations. This was an adaptation of a 1977 album Weber did with his brother Julian, who is a classical cellist. The original album was orchestrated for more of a rock band, while the 82 version was adapted for the London Philharmonic Orchestra. From the classical version, featuring Weber's brother Julian on cello, here is Variation 1 through 4.
So much of what we've been listening to comes from Weber's golden era from the 70s and 80s. But what has he done for us lately? Well, he's still turning out productions on a pretty regular basis, including one based on the film School of Rock. He did a musical version of Wizard of Oz and in 2000 released The Beautiful Game about a group of teenagers growing up during the Troubles in Belfast, Northern Ireland, in 1969. From that work, here is A Game of Two Halves.
just for fun This time it's watch in slow motion Down the fence, sliding low on the toe, gets stuck in. Have a go, risk of walking. Bring him down to the ground, don't just piddle around. Chance you look, chop him up. You can see that the ref's not looking. I clearly played straight for the ball. Did you see that dozy brat took a fall right in front of me? Any sane ref would agree it. Out comes the book and a red card, off you go You like to think that you're so dead hard, now you know They get a direct free kick Weber's work, although it may delve into the darker side of life, eventually finds its way back to the light. Hardly any of his work ends on a downer note. For example, remember Joseph? Stuck in jail, all sad? Well, here's how that one ends.
Now, that doesn't mean everything comes up roses all the time. I mean, there's always Phantom.
It is ultimately, for me, the music of Weber that endures. I very much love the themes, like Jesus Christ Superstar or Phantom. He doesn't always need the lyrics to push the story. Sometimes he relies on good old-fashioned orchestration, as from this piece, from the second act of Cats, where the characters all join together to dance and play at the Jellicle Ball.
Okay, it's time to answer our trivia question for this episode, which is, what famous rock icon recorded an Andrew Lloyd Webber song that became that icon's final studio recording ever? If you got this one without looking it up, then you are a true Webber fan. I had no idea. I know he was a rock icon because, well, it's in his title. Many referred to him as the king of rock and roll. That's right. It was Elvis Presley who recorded the song at Graceland in 1977, and it was the final song on his final studio album, Moody Blue. Here is the king performing It's Easy for You. You may not mind that it's over But I've a different point of view And even though I am shattered It's easy for you You don't have to face the music you don't have to face the crowd Just go back where you came from You ain't even proud I had a wife And I had children I threw them all It's easy 
you only have to call me It's easy for you As many of you know, I like to end the podcast by playing my favorite track from the featured composer who this time is musical and theater icon Andrew Lloyd Webber. I struggled for a bit on this one because I was torn between both Phantom and JC Superstar, but in the end, I had to go with the original. I've loved it ever since I was a child, curled up under my father's stereo system. It's a fond memory from my younger days, and I thank Mr. Weber for making it happen. Uh, and my dad. I, I thank him, too. From Jesus Christ Superstar, here is Judas singing to Christ from beyond, asking him a simple question. Why? Enjoy.
If you enjoyed listening to Frame Tracks, please log in and leave me a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to email me questions, requests, or comments to info at frametracks.com. That's F-R-A-M-E-T-R-A-X. And please support these great composers by purchasing their music. Until next time, this is Frame Tracks.